This is The Checkup. I'm Danielle Houston, and you're listening to my podcast. I'm a benefits advisor at Propel Insurance, but today we're going to talk about another kind of insurance, specifically other risk management. I've got Charlie Morris here with me today, and he's joined us before we did a segment on cyber liability that actually there was a good audience that was interested in cyber. Obviously, we talk about that in a lot of ways, but today we're going to specifically talk about employee dishonesty. And Charlie is our practice leader in management liability, and that includes this kind of insurance too, which is really under a crime policy. Is that does that kind of yes, sum it yeah. Up? You, you could find this under other policies, but we usually recommend for companies once they get to be a certain size that they buy a specific policy for crime insurance. Oh, okay. and so this is where that would into play. Okay. And this is great for me. I mean, the learning about how some of these other elements work. I mean, obviously this isn't a, a space where I spend a ton of time at, but it's interesting to see and sometimes sad to see how that crossover can work between some of the things that I am involved with. And specifically, I really wanted to talk about this today and I started asking you questions because I have a client very recently who discovered that their controller and a person who had been there for a very long time, someone that I've worked with, for almost the entire time that I've been here at Propel. So over seven years that I've worked with this person and it just came to light that they were embezzling from their company. A longtime employee who had a lot of access because of his area in finance. And it's been to watch some of the fallout and even our own emotion about what happened within that company because like my team and I had been really involved in trying to help this person make some payment arrangements for health insurance for their group and you know we were thinking that we were helping this company through a tough financial time when it turns out that they were having a great financial time. They had great sales and their business was doing well, but their cash position never improved, which finally led to an audit, which finally led to really the lengths that this person was going to to steal from their company. And so everyone has felt a sort of betrayal around this thing that happened, but the other unfortunate piece was this person was purchasing, making the decisions about insurance, and they were very underinsured, specifically in this area. And, you know, so the fallout still really, you know, who knows how much is going to be, but I would suspect, as, as do they, that this is going to be in the millions when they're finally able to put a price tag on it. So I wanted to talk to you about this. I think that a lot of employers don't want to talk about employee dishonesty because who wants to think that the people you really like and the people that you hire could potentially do something like this? It's not the place most of us want to go. So let's talk a little bit about, I mean, I know we want to give some examples, but we also want to help with some really practical things like we're going to talk about what are the signs of someone that could be a potential risk? What are some of those red flags to look for? What kinds of companies are more at risk than others? And what kinds of questions should decision makers be asking about that kind of insurance. So Charlie, let's talk a little bit. Let's just dive into what are some of the examples that you've seen? Let's first talk about what are some of the things that you've seen in the smaller kind of category? Yeah, that's a good place to start because these 
policies respond to both the grand schemes by the controller who really has access to all of the company's finances, but also to maybe some folks at your business that you haven't thought of, but do have access to ways to steal from the company. So we have seen managers of departments who have been given the ability to buy gift cards, for example, for their employees as rewards. And they overbuy them and they spend them themselves. And that's a pretty simple embezzlement scheme. But over a course of years, that can really add up. Other examples are maybe a nursing home that has a kitchen and the cook or whoever's in charge of buying supplies overbuys those supplies, sells those on the black market. More amazing examples. Um, I know there's a hospital, a local hospital, where the the parking was extremely cheap, but it did cost some amount of money. So whereas the parkers were expecting to pay five or ten dollars to park for the day they were only really being charged two but the parking lot attendant would charge four and no one would think a second about it and he would pocket the extra two dollars and so and mostly cash uh, uh, mostly cash it was just an amazing uh and easy scheme and of course there's no way to figure out how much he actually stole because the hospital of course got all their money that they thought they were entitled to and he just was stealing from all these individuals. So these little schemes, really they go on for years before they're discovered. And so the insurance would pay for, of course, the entire scheme. What the other flip side is someone in just a real position of trust, a controller, famously Fry's Electronics had a $65 million scheme that was caused just, just how how large these things can get. There was a, um, way back in 2002, there was a woman discovered she had worked for Starbucks Corporation. This was before they went public, but it was in the uh, it was in the papers. And so they didn't have the same controls they do now, but she created a fake consultant. She was the consultant and she billed Starbucks for a number of projects that, that obviously never happened. And she was convicted of stealing $3.7 million from Starbucks in less than a year. Less than a year. You know, I remember her being an interesting character because she was a compulsive shopper. She had purchased three grand pianos and some vintage automobiles and just sort of an amazing uh, sort of human interest story. But just we'll get to warning signs of corporations later. But Starbucks has been for a long time in a very fast growth mode. And they just didn't have the controls in place that they really needed to catch something like that. I really, it's something I would love to dip into the psychology of what happens with someone, you know, that they must just think that this one time I'm going to do this little thing that's going to help me get through a rough patch or something. And then before you know it, they're three grand baby pianos in and, you know, $3 million. And where do you even store three baby grand pianos? But that, I mean, again, this is like the, all of my questions, they just multiply. Right. And it is amazing that, uh, you know, that almost like a sickness and it just, it's almost makes you sick, makes you sick to hear about right, these stories. Right. Well, and I think in the example that I shared about my client, I would suspect that has started in a very similar fashion and obviously really got away from this person if payroll can't be made and you know you're looking at trying to make payments on health insurance policies that cover the employees i mean the implications i've really been shocked mm-hmm. watching and seeing all of these things unfold. So obviously small examples, those are interesting. What about, we talk about some of the large things, what are the signs? I mean, let's talk about what would an employer consider maybe a a red flag in a person? Well, so you got to one of the first ones, which is that you have an employee who is under financial stress for whatever reason. How would you know? 
that's a good question. Like, I don't know how you would know something like that. But if you did, mm-hmm. you, that would be a sign. But what you can see in employees and one of the things that the insurance industry has identified as warning signs, and there are four really that are, they're interrelated a little bit. But if you have an employee who is very interested in how everything works, how the bills all get paid, and it might not be their area of that they work in, but they want to know how everything works, a little bit overly curious about the inner workings of the corporation. So that's one sign that gives them the opportunity, right? Watch for employees who are extravagant dressers, you know, maybe drive a nicer car than you expect them to drive given their position, or just are living a lifestyle outside of what you would expect them to be able to do. Secondly, a lot of embezzlers, they hide their their embezzlement or their activities under the guise of just working hard, working late, working long hours, right? So if there's someone who, not because the work requires it, but because they're just trying to... So busy. So busy, and they're going to be there when no one else is around, that is a little bit of a red flag. I mean, obviously, most of employees like that are the kinds of employees you want, go-getters and hardworking employees. But the flip side of that is it opens up opportunities. And if the work doesn't match the outcome too, right? right? When maybe if you're thinking, wow, why does this person always have to work late? Because you know kind of what their workload should be. Right, right, exactly. So a little bit over ambitious, overly diligent maybe. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is um, disgruntled employees for whatever reason. Sometimes you would know exactly why there's disgruntled. Other times I had a client who was a medical device manufacturer and they were working hard and working hard. And finally that device they're growing fast. That Finally, the, one of their devices was approved by the FDA, and a certain segment of the workforce became very, very wealthy because they were sort of the shareholders, and their stock price went from $10 to $110 in, in two days, something like that. So there was a lot of people reaping the benefits of that success, but some of the people who were left behind were not in that position, but maybe were working just as hard. And so that particular company was interesting. They had a woman who was in charge of buying office supplies and she figured out that she could get kickbacks from the toner cartridge supplier. And she, over the course of a number of years, she purchased $950,000 of unnecessary toner cartridges for the copy machines. So that was a just a situation where, to me, she didn't necessarily need to be disgruntled, but she had been left behind by the success She's, of the corporation. Yeah, she sees other people having something that she wanted for herself and, and had so, a hard time with. Yeah. And certainly felt that the people that she was stealing from could handle it. Yeah, because you know? she knew how much money was coming in, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So it was a very interesting uh, case of, uh, you might call that disgruntled. It just maybe it was the opportunity. Again, kind of reminds me of, you know, I can I think this would be a good time to talk about the uh, what kinds of companies are at risk. Not kind yeah. of employees you need to work for, but what kind of companies are at risk. So obviously... I talked about Starbucks was in a very fast growth mode back in 1999 and 2000 when their employee perpetrated the theft that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. But the anytime you're just growing fast, your financial mechanisms and your accounting tools just aren't going to keep up with that growth. So it just opens up opportunities. And it might also open up reasons why, you know, people who feel left behind by the success. So fast growth is a risk factor. Another interesting one is when you have a company that either just has many offices that are poorly integrated so that they're hard to keep track of what's going on in the other offices or same exact problem, but it's even worse if it's the result of a a series of mergers so that those locations had their own maybe accounting systems and their own 
loyalties and personalities and they're trying to be integrated into a bigger company. You know, when you have a situation like that, we often see embezzlement occurring at the new satellite office, right? That's a particular problem if there's international, because then you have international currencies to deal with. And it just a lot of times your satellite office has a completely separate accounting system. So that's a, a big uh, risk for embezzlement cases. And then, you know, interestingly, we find a lot of embezzlement. If you Google embezzlement, for example, you'll find a lot of examples of people who are in trusted positions, either at schools or in government offices, even police stations sometimes in churches, where these are just because of their positions of authority are trusted maybe more than they should be. And, you know, schools and government agencies are diverse and yeah. have... There's a, well, there's a very recent example of a school, and I believe it was Cedro Woolley or somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the one of the northern counties mm-hmm. in here in Washington state, where a woman who was the treasurer of the parent-teacher association for a number of years had been trusted to collect funds from fundraisers that were supposed to help fund things in the classroom mm-hmm. and all of that. And she's oh, that money was gone. I mean, talk about betrayal in a community, too, like that, where people are thinking, man, I I gave you 50 bucks because I thought it was going to help, you know, the teachers and do some good things for the kids in the community, and you just would not expect someone to take in that way. No, I think about just what the motivation might be. It's, well, you know, this is an unpaid position and a lot of hard work, and, well, she deserves it for all the work she's done. And the thought being, she'll have the ability to pay it back once her financial situation and improves. And then it gets away from you. And then it gets away from you. Yeah. Me. I mean, because again, I guess it comes back to the, you think it's going to start with one piano and $3 million later, you know, yeah. how are you going to pay that back? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely uh, amazing. So that's the risk. The short answer on the insurance side is there is an insurance policy for that. Mm-hmm. And any type of employee scheme, whether it's charging too much for parking or whether it's charging for consulting activities that don't happen or you know buying too much toner cartridges whatever the employee is doing that is going to be just sort of blanketly covered by a crime insurance policy the crime insurance policies do other things as well if your bank accounts get hacked and get trained by a hacker that's a crime insurance that uh, seems coverage. like that would be good coverage to have. <laughs> that would be a good coverage to have. Yeah. Even if uh, you have, you know, funds on site and somebody breaks into your safe, I mean, that's covered by a crime insurance policy. Okay. So there's a couple of other things that, that it does in terms of employee benefits. You know, your ERISA requires that you insure 401k plans and 403b plans. Those have to be insured. So you have to, if you don't buy a crime policy, you buy what's called an, an ERISA bond okay. because it is required by law that you have uh, this funds. exact coverage to protect those assets. So most companies that have a 40, I mean, all companies that have a 401k plan have this insurance, but it only covers the 401k plan, not maybe not the whole, yeah. maybe not the whole company. So why not cover the whole company? That's what we often ask. Yeah. Why not? It seems like the cost versus the risk, if it's not there, is far greater. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Well, thank you for talking about this, because like I said earlier, I think a lot of companies just don't want to think about how this could potentially happen. And maybe it's not something that happens because an employee does something that they shouldn't do. Maybe it is a hacker, maybe something else that we talk about now if cyber and the worldwide web Mm -hmm. is introduced 
other things that we just have to think about business a lot differently than we did five years, 10, 10 years ago. Well, even the, uh, you know, the electronic nature of money is it makes it opens up opportunities for employees who understand how it works that way. It's just yeah. different now. Petty cash box doesn't really exist anymore, does it? No, not, not, not so much. Many. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time, Charlie, and your expertise. You're always our go-to here for things like this that came up. And obviously, if our clients or anyone else has questions or feels a need to have this evaluated, you're the guy to do it. So I appreciate everyone who maybe joined us today to listen to the checkup, a little something different than the usual employee benefits fair. But Propel Insurance, we do risk management of all kinds and lots of different experts who are here to help. So with that, thanks for tuning into the checkup and we'll catch you next time.